0: Last Sunday, we concluded a series which I really enjoyed being a part of. It got a little uh, uh, upheaved by Harvey, but we talked about Heaven's Heroes, Life Lessons from Old Testament Heroes of the Faith. Heaven's Heroes, Life Lessons from Old Testament Heroes of the Faith. Last Sunday, we finished off with, uh, who was it we, we, we talked about last week? His name was? Nehemiah. And if you missed out last week or any of them, listen, you can go online, www.cotrnorth.com. You can watch, I think some of them are the actual video or the audio and plug in and learn some life lessons. And in fact, last week, Beverly got so fired up about last week's message. She started preaching it back to me. She said, man, you better listen to what you're saying. And uh, she was preaching to me what I was preaching to everybody else. And uh, so, hey, maybe it'll work for you. Amen. And so I want to encourage you in that. This morning, we began, I think, a seven week series, maybe longer, uh, and it's new and creative. It's part two of Heaven's Heroes. Heaven's Heroes. New Testament heroes of the faith. Life lessons from New Testament heroes of the faith. And today we're going to look at one that I have never listened Beverly, how long have I been preaching? I've been preaching a long time. Uh, I've been preaching a long time. And I got I got convicted today or this week. I have never preached from this man's life i've I've probably quoted him i've read some things about him but i've never designated a message to this person uh and man you could do a series you could do a you could do a lot uh just studying this one man and his name is john the methodist no oh no john the what why is his name john the baptist because he came doing what baptizing. And the subtitle of today's message is The True Measure of Greatness. And we'll learn today that John the Baptist, he 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 stood the test, if you will, of greatness. In fact, turn to Luke chapter 1 with me today, and I'm so thankful the children are here. I want them to listen and learn something too. Uh, uh, Ty, I want you to listen about John the Methodist. Is it John the Methodist? Who are we talking about? John the Who, Baptist. He knew. Okay, there you go. Because there, there will be a test. There will be a test. Luke chapter one, and I was pleasantly surprised by reading all the passages of Scripture in the Gospels about John the Baptist. In fact, I want you. This is your suge- This is not suggested. This is just pastors. Uh, pastors. I don't know. Can I command you? Can I beseech you? I beseech you this week to get the gospels, get your Bible. And if you have to Google it, whatever you look up in all four gospels, all the references and the, and the messages and the insight about John the Baptist, just let John the Baptist, uh, inspire your life, uh, and just allow his ministry and his message to motivate you. So, so suggested reading for the week is everything in the gospels about John the Baptist. Okay. Okay. And so just look them all up. And one of the more detailed books is the book of Luke. Uh, And with that in mind, one more prayer. Let's pray God would open our hearts to hear what he has to say. Father, we thank you today for the Word of God. Lord, we thank you for this hero of the faith, John the Baptist. Let his life inspire us to greatness in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Luke chapter 1, verse 5. I'm going to just give you a little insight about the beginning of his life. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named, everyone say Zacharias, that's John the Baptist's dad, of the division of Abijah, his wife was the daughter of Aaron, and her name was what? So we got, who, who's the mom and dad of John the Baptist? Zacharias and who? Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. They were found blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while, we, while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense, which he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people uh, was praying. That, to me, that sounded like that should be we're praying. They was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to them, to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fell, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Somebody say amen. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name what? And you will have, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be what? The angel Gabriel said, for he will be great in the sight of who? I want to just stop and tell you today, the true measure of greatness is not what men think about you, but what God thinks about you. I want you to log that down if you forget anything else, everything else I said. You log that down. Greatness is not found in what people think, but what God thinks about you. He will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will also go before him in the spirit, that is, he will also go before him, that is Jesus or God, in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the, wi- uh, uh, to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And everybody said, amen. So we see that even before he was uh, 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 conceived in his mother's womb, there was a promise from God, uh, which was delivered by Gabriel, that he would be great. And I want to tell you something today, that God wants all of us, when we come to the close of our life, to be considered great in the eyes of the Lord. You see, though uh, uh, John the Baptist uh, had a prophetic purpose that he fulfilled in life, all of us, and this is what I want you to see, all of us have a prophetic God's purpose for our life. Are you with me? Say amen. And we need to embrace that. In fact, just some quickly Old Testament prophecies about John the Baptist. You've read them or heard them. Uh, Isaiah forty verse three, and the New Testament quotes this quite often in the Gospels. It's a pro- prophecy about the coming of John the Baptist, and it says he'll be the one, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And when you study John the Baptist, what you'll discover is his ministry. <laughs> really did prepare people to receive Jesus Christ because they were right there until we do this. amen go well, look how fast you guys are on the ball amen now we were talking about John the batteries right no no John the who John the Baptist he was the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. And he really did. Well, you can turn me down now. I'm really, I'm really hot potatoes now. And, and he really did. And you study the life of John the Baptist, you'll discover that he really did that, that people, because of his ministry, they were more receptive and willing and ready uh, to hear and to receive Jesus Christ. In fact, this guy was popular, so popular that even Herod fell in love with him a little bit. I don't have time to tell you that story about, uh, about all that. You read it this week. But people were coming out into the wilderness to hear him. <laughs> and they fell under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. He was preaching to them the gospel and the message of repentance. And he was baptizing people. People were repenting of their sins. And they were coming uh, to the Lord. And he would baptize them into the kingdom of God. And I'm telling you, a revival broke out before Jesus was ever really uh, ma- manifest as the as the, the the Lord and the King of Kings. And if you remember, uh in John, Jesus came to him. uh, to be baptized the first chapter and he said he said the lamb of God he points to him John the Baptist does the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world in other words these people had been hearing this message John then says there he is somebody say there he is and so he prepared the way of the Lord another Old Testament uh, prophecy is Malachi 3 1 uh and it basically says this behold I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before me. So John the Baptist was the messenger. He was the one that prepared the way of the Lord. And so with that in mind, here's our mem- this is going to be a really hard memory verse for you this week, but I want you to catch it. It may be may take you a while. Today's memory verse, John 3:30. <coughs> Let's say it together. He must <clears throat> Say it again And what verse is that? <clears throat> Can you close your eyes and do it? Close your eyes. He must. What's the verse? You just memorized a verse. Amen. And I want you to take that, and I want you to meditate on that because that was the attitude and the mindset. <clears throat> pardon me. Of John the Baptist, you see, he knew that his ministry was 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 to bring. The increase, if you will, of the governance of God and, and point people towards Christ and His life. He, He realized He was not the, 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 the most important thing on the planet. And, and, uh, how many of you realize it's not about you? Tell your neighbor it's not about you. It's about him. John the Baptist knew that, and uh, so and and he fulfilled the purpose of God for his life by allowing himself to decrease, and Jesus Christ and his and and the knowledge of him increase in the world around him. Now, Jesus thoughts. Jesus had some thoughts about John the Baptist. I want you to see them today in Luke seven twenty eight. I want you to see this. Luke seven twenty eight. Uh, in fact when you do when you're doing your reading about John the Baptist this week, really take note of this, this Luke seven passage and how Jesus talks about John the Baptist. In fact, Jesus quotes the, the, uh Isaiah 40 verse in verse 27, he says, behold, I send my messenger before your, f-. Oh, this is really the Malachi verse. I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way, uh, before you. And so Jesus is talking about John the Baptist and looking verse 28 and see what he says about him he said for i say to you among those born of women this is what jesus said there is not a greater prophet than john the baptist in fact the hebrew word there for great or greater in both passages the one in luke 1 where gabriel said he he will be great and then jesus said there's no one greater the 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 i said hebrew the greek word there is where we get the word mega how many of you understand the word mega? I know seven elevens are kind of gone by the wayside, but the convenience stores now uh, they used to have these mega drinks and now that's pretty normal. You get a large you go oh my you go, oh my gosh you know what happened? To the mediums used to be medium, but now the mediums are large and the larges are like mega uh, and and so this word mega just means uh, just over the top uh great big mega uh just. You get the picture. I mean, everybody, somebody say mega. When you say the word mega, you just mean it's bigger and better and far beyond. And and so we see Gabriel says uh, about him, he he's going to be mega man. He's just going to woo. And then Jesus said, "There's not anybody any more mega than John the Baptist." And let me tell you something. If you could come to the close of your life and get anywhere close to that heaven's mindset about you, you will have done good. In the eyes of the Lord. And so today I want us to talk about the measure of greatness and the true measure of greatness and look at, I, can I, is this disrespectful if I call John the Baptist JB? It's not disrespectful. I don't think so. JB. Everybody say JB. Just give him some initials, John the Baptist, J.B. I want to look at some thoughts today that I see, and there is so much more we could say about John the Baptist, but I want to look at some thoughts about uh, the foundation of greatness in his life and some things that work together for him to be able to fulfill the prophetic declaration over his life that he shall be great. Let me just stop and say to you, God has a plan for greatness in your life. Do you think God created you and said, you know what, when I think about uh, Ray, or when I think about Mark, or when I think about Stacy, or when I think about Roberta, do you think God's up there saying, I'm going to create the most mediocre person I could find? Do you think God, when he looked down and said, you know, I'm thinking about Lyric, and I'm just uh, pondering her, I'm just going to create her, and she's just going to be kind of so-so? I hope not. no. He looks at all of us. And how many of you, when you look at your children, something on the inside, you just, you, you have hopes and dreams of greatness in their life. And could I tell you today in this, this small gathering of people, there's greatness sitting all around us. There's greatness. Heaven declares over us that, that, that we are to be great in the eyes of the Lord. But listen to me carefully. Just because heaven has a design for greatness, it does not guarantee our safe arrival. We can undermine the purposes of God for our life by the choices or the lack of choices that we make or by the mediocrity of our lives. Listen, you'll never be great in the eyes of God if you live a mediocre life for God. And so we have a responsibility today to embrace some insights about greatness. Just some thoughts today. One thing that I noticed... uh, more so this week as I studied John the Baptist than ever before. Uh, hey, JB had great parents. JB had great parents. Now listen carefully. Cause this is, I'm gonna talk to parents for just a moment. Because understand something, just because if, in fact, how many of you live in a, we, we know we live in a world where great parents are kind of a, a, a commodity. There's not, they they're just not everywhere. In fact, how many of you at least has some insight about your own life, or maybe those your parents that they they could have used a few extra lessons on how to raise kids, right? Uh, right, could have learned a few more things. All right, we we all know that. So understand this about John the Baptist: he had great parents. And so I want to talk to parents today, but I, here's what I want everyone else to understand. If Even if you did not have great parents, you did not have great role models, maybe even you had bad role models. Listen, understand something. God is greater uh, than uh, your lack of uh, uh, parenting influence in your life. And in fact, the Bible says He is our heavenly what? Father. So I don't want anybody to go away from here today. Well, I didn't have great parents, so therefore, I'll never be able to do anything great for God. Not true. Just because we don't have necessarily the greatest parents in town doesn't mean or undermine God's design. How many of you know God's will always has the power to overwhelm our life's experiences? Amen. Are you with me? So you catch that this morning. I don't want you to miss that. With that in mind, let me just for the parents here and people of influence in others' lives. Because, listen, just this could go uh, into... I see some teachers here. Listen, there's kids that are do great things because they had great teachers, great leaders in their life. So let's catch this theme here this morning about J.B. and his parents. J.B.'s parents, I want to tell you, uh, they were great parents. In fact, it says they were righteous parents. Look back at Luke chapter 1. I love verse 5 and 6. It says this, verse 6, And they were both righteous before who? God. Walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. Somebody say this word, blameless. I want to tell you today, there's nothing wrong with parents getting a, a glimpse into that and saying, It's time I raised the bar in my spiritual life. Not just for my sake, but for my children's sake and my children's children's sake. And, and, and I'll, I've got to live a righteous life if I, my kids are going to, uh, 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 live righteous lives and do something significant for God. He, uh, hey, JB had great parents. They were righteous. I call them rents. My kids always call theirs the rents. I don't know if that's a a, 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 is that just a walker thing? I don't know. Uh, but he, JB had righteous rents. That means that's short for pair rents. Did y'all get that? Okay. All right. He had righteous parents. Look what it says about them. They walked it out. They walked out the ordinances and the commandments of God. They were found blameless. Listen today. Understanding, we are living the, we live under the new covenant. The Bible says there's none what? Righteous, no not one. But what did Jesus do? He gave us His righteousness. He's given us His righteousness and we have a responsibility to walk it out. So J.B. had great parents. They were righteous parents. They were praying parents. Listen, parents, we gotta pray. We teach our kids to pray. In fact, uh our our uh daughters and their son and, and my son-in-laws, they teach our grandkids to pray. They pray. We pray a lot, we pray when we go out to eat. In fact, Mabry Ruth has started praying over the meal. You gotta hear that, man. You'll just get all goosebumps. You hear I wish I could I can't interpret it. She talks in tongues, but she goes home. she says things in the spirit realm, uh, and then she says. In Jesus' name, and I catch the last word, amen. Listen, we teach our kids to pray. We become, how do we teach our kids to pray? Because we, we pray and we teach them to pray. Now, they were great parents. They were righteous rents. They were praying rents. Uh, and then number three, they were spirit-filled rents. They were spirit-filled. Somebody say spirit-filled. In fact, Look at verse 15 of chapter 1. For he will be great, speaking of J.B., in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. Now catch this phrasing, he will also be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, not he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, he will also be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's referencing, the Gabriel is referencing the fact, and if you look in verse 41, you'll find that Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit. Verse 67, you will find that Zacharias was filled with the Spirit. I'm telling you, J.B. had spirit-filled parents. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. As a result, they walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. So they were spirit-filled parents. And whether or not you had great parents or not, listen, you can rise you can rise above the lack of parenting in your life and become a great influence in the world, and you can be great. Everybody say God has greatness in store for me. Come on, tell us tell say it out loud, God has greatness in store for me. He really does. He has greatness. And parents, we can help the process along. I just pray that our kids don't have to get beyond us to the place of greatness, that we come alongside them and we influence them and we empower them and we equip them and we become God's role model for them. Jesus was skin on them and they can look at our lives and say, Oh, I think today because of the influence of those around me, I can do something great for God. Amen. So J.B. had great parents. Number two, J.B. had great purpose. He had a prophetic purpose in his life. And it was to preach the good news of the coming Messiah. He was a preacher of the good news. And how many of you know today that all of us have this same great purpose before us? It's not just for J.B., it's for all of us. He preached the good news. I love what verse 15 through 17 says about him in Luke chapter 1. It says, He will be great in the sight of the Lord. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah... Uh, and turn people's hearts to the Lord and he did he would preach the gospel of Jesus Christ he lived with an understanding of the great purpose of God in his life and in fact i think it's in john if you if we were to go over to john in fact let's do that john chapter 1 go over to john chapter 1 matthew mark luke John. Let's look at this. I want you to see this. Look in your Bible in verse 19. And that, this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? Everybody look at your name and say, who are you? They want to know, who are you? I'm going to tell you, people who are hearing about this John the Baptist and all the religious leaders sent and said, who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed. I am, listen, he knew who he was not. I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? That we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am. Listen, let me tell you something. Great people know the call of God on their life. They know who they are in Christ. And John the Baptist lived with a sense of great purpose. And he said, he knew he, he had a prophetic, hey, word from God over his life. He said, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. He knew who he was in God. He embraced the purpose of God for his life. And he lived it out, and he lived with a sense not only of the influence of great parents, but he lived under the mandate and the calling of a great purpose. And understand this today, all of us should live the same way. He had a biblical basis for the purpose of God for his life, as well we do also. Anyone here heard of the Great Commission? Go into all the world. Was he talking to John the Baptist or others? No, he was talking to us. We live with a sense of great purpose. And God is looking to us to be those. Hey, you want to do something great for God? Embrace the purpose of God for your life. And that is to share his love and his, his word to those who so desperately need him. J.B.'s foundation of greatness was found in the influence of great parents and in the influence of the great prophetic purpose of God over his life. But number three, his greatness was empowered by the supernatural power of God in his life. How many of you know God doesn't leave us without the power to fulfill His purposes? In fact, the prophetic directive over his life back in Luke, it says he will go in the spirit and in the power. Somebody say power. That word is the Hebrew, pardon me, the Greek word, uh, 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 it's, uh, uh, it's where we get the word dynamite, dunamis. That's the Greek word. Everyone say Dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite, something supernaturally powerful. And he says he, it says about him, he will be great. And it says in verse 17, he will go before Jesus or God in the spirit and in the dynamite, the supernatural power of Elijah. Anyone remember some of the miracles of Elijah? Who, who can think of a miracle that Elijah did? Anybody want to remember one? He raised people from the dead. I'm telling you, this man walked in the supernatural power. The Bible says about John the Baptist, he'll have that same power. And if we, hey, if we plug into that power our own life, what does it say about us? In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, the church, if you wait for the promise of the Father, you will receive what? Somebody say power. So he walked in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit in his life. We must do the same we have that same power available to us. The supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Spirit of God, the power of God in his life. Number two, he was filled with the Word of God. If you look in chapter 3 of that same book in Luke chapter 3, let me show you something here. Go to Luke chapter 3, verse oh Gosh, how many do I want to read? Verse 1 through 7. Follow me. Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, being governor of Judea, Herod uh, being the tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, I should have skipped this part, get down uh, in verse 2. While Annas and Caiaphas were high priests, the word of God came to John the son of Zacharias in the wilderness. What does it say? the word of God came to who? John, the son of Zacharias, the priest. I want to tell you, John lived under the influence of the word of God in his life. Listen, we've got both. We've got the power of the spirit and we've got the power of the word of God. It's God's dynamic duo in our life. And we've got to embrace the power of God and appropriate the power of God. Hey, you want to do great things? You got to have great power. And that great power doesn't come from your capacity. It comes from above. It's a supernatural spiritual impartation i love it about john the baptist it says he was filled with the spirit even from his mother's womb and you know the story and by the way you do know john the baptist was related to jesus they were cousins or second cousins or something like that and and so elizabeth even before she she's like six months ahead of mary and mary comes to elizabeth and they hang out a while you can read it in luke and when they get together all of a sudden because elizabeth is whoo she has been She's excited. She was an old woman who now had a supernatural, uh, 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 experience with God and not, she didn't have an immaculate conception, but her body was dead and now she's got a baby inside. She'd been happy, happy, happy. And they get together and Mary shows up and the Spirit of God comes on Elizabeth and she realized, whoo, Mary's got Jesus, the Messiah in her room. And the Bible says, the baby John the Baptist leapt in her womb. She went, "Woo!" Everybody go, "Woo!" Ladies, I, I've never been pregnant. Aren't you glad? But I've watched my girls. I watched my wife when babies just jump. They go, "Woo!" I'm telling you something even more about, more dynamic when the Holy Ghost comes upon your baby inside your womb. You say, is that possible? Well, I just read it there in the Bible. He was filled with the Spirit even in his mother's womb. And he walked in the power of the Spirit of God and in the power of the Word of God in his life. Listen, we have the same dynamic duo available to us. John the Baptist had great power, number four. John the Baptist had a great posture before God. Listen, this is important. The way he positioned himself in the presence of God is so important in our life as well. It says this, Luke chapter 3, verse 16. John answered and sang to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to lose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John the Baptist postured himself in an attitude of great humility. Even in the face of great accolades, people were coming from miles around to hear this. Man, who wore... Uh, let me just say, all the kids, listen. Anybody, any of the kids know what kind of clothes John the Baptist wore? Did he wear any special... Did he wear uh, uh, Walmart clothes? Were, there, were the clothes from Walmart? Let any kids know what he wore? Did he, did he wear stuff from Neiman Marcus? There's not even a Neiman Marcus anymore. I'm not sure. What clothes did he wear? Any, any of the kids want to... Let me just give you a hint. Some of them had one hump. Some of them had two humps. Camel, thank you so much. Who said that, Jojo? He wore camel's hair. I don't know if it was itchy or not, but he wore camel's hair. And then he ate something special. He ate what? Bugs and honey. Somebody say bugs and honey. He ate those bugs and honey. Anybody ever ate a bug on purpose? You ate one? What kind of bug did you eat on purpose? Uh, You ate more than one. Y'all lift your hands towards Robert. He nobody needs to eat but one bug. You ate two different kinds of bugs. What bug did you eat? Yeah, I ate a cricket. I ate a cricket. Who else? Anybody else eat a bug? On purpose? What bug did you eat? You ate a cricket? Yeah? On purpose? Oh, y'all didn't eat bug. Did you eat a bug? A roly poly? They go down pretty easy, don't they? Just roll right on down. Man, that was a good roly-poly right there. That's funny. All right. He, He was a special guy. People were enamored by this man who wore camel's hair and ate bugs and honey and preached a message that their hearts and cause them to want to repent and be baptized and turn from their sin and turn to God. And in all of that, he said this about, there's one coming who's mightier than I listen. I'm not worthy to unlatch his shoes. I'm telling you, I'm here. He's there. I'm staying down here. I'm humbling. And Peter caught on to that after a while. And he said, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Listen, greatness is found. At the place of humility. And don't let any football player undermine what it means to bow your knee in humility before God. I better stop. I'm going to comment there, but I won't. He postured himself in humility. But at the same time, he postured himself with a great hope. When he realized who he was as a young boy, and I'm sure his mom and daddy poured it on and poured it thick, and they told him who he was, and he embraced who he was. I'm going to be the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Repair the way of the Lord. John chapter 1, verse 29, it says this. Let me turn over there. It says this about him, and I... John 1 verse 29, the next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, behold, everyone say behold, all the kids stand up, all the kids, I'm going to engage them, all the kids stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. I want you, take your, take your finger like this and as loud as you can go, behold, <laughs> come on kids, don't sit down, hey, let's try it again, here we go kids, stand up, behold. Yeah. Now, all the men stand up. Kids can sit down. All the men stand up. Come on, here we go. All right, all right man, let's see if you can beat the kids. Say, the Lamb of, Lamb of God. And now, all the women, guys, you did pretty good. Women, I you all stand up and say, who takes away the sins of the world? The I'm telling you, you can sit down. There was great hope. What, what? What was the problem? The problem is humanity separated from God by sin. And John the Baptist, at the first, at, when Jesus came to be baptized, he, he made a declaration of great hope. I, I've been preaching it, but let me tell you, here he comes. Here comes the one I've been talking about. There's the Lamb of God. And when they heard Lamb of God, you know what they understood? Sacrificial lamb. They were raised in that environment that the sacrificial lamb and the shed blood guarded them from the judgment of God and covered them. That's a message of great hope. He was postured not only in humility, but he was postured in hope. Interesting little insight. Everybody, everybody, everybody go, huh? Let me give you an interesting little insight. Where did he live and where did his ministry, speaking of JB, where did it begin? Did it begin on the town square downtown Jerusalem? Where did it begin? I mean, this guy started a church, the First Baptist Church. He, He didn't do it in the downtown square. He was out where in the... He was out in the wilderness, for goodness. That's not where you go to start church. That's not how you get a crowd, out in the wilderness. For goodness sake, John, why are you out in the wilderness, man? If you're going to be preaching, don't, don't go out there in the wilderness where nobody is. Well, evidently, it worked because they came out to the wilderness to see Him and to hear Him. Now, think about the Israelites. Who had come out of Egyptian bondage. Follow me. And Jesus led them by Mo, everybody out of Egyptian bondage. And, and where were they headed? To the promised land. But what did they have to go through to get there? They had to go through the wilderness to get there. And because of their sin and disobedience, they stayed in the wilderness for what? For 40 years. They didn't need to stay in the wilderness 40 years, but understand something about the wilderness. In the beginning, when they were being delivered out of Egyptian bondage, the Israelites looked at the wilderness uh, in the beginning as, as, they, as the pathway to the promises of God. They looked at it with hope in the beginning. And so for the Israelite who understand the purposes and the promise of God, they knew you got to go through the wilderness to get where God wants you to be. And here they hear a voice of the one crying in the wilderness. It's a message of hope. He was postured in great humility, but postured in great hope. He preached a message of hope. He wasn't just preaching about the cancer of sin. and I, He got pretty stout with people about their sin, especially the religious people. He wasn't just preaching about the cancerous nature of sin, but he preached about the cure. That was a message of great hope. He was postured in humility, postured in hope, and lastly, he postured himself in a place of great honor to God. And as our memory verse said in John 3.30, he must increase, but I must decrease. That word increase means, it's kind of the, the, the Greek meaning, is to fix a value upon, to put a value on. He must be honored and valued and lifted up. He must increase but I must decrease. John the Baptist lived a life of greatness before God. Gabriel got it right. He'll be great in the eyes of God. Now listen carefully. You can be great, pardon me. You can be great in the eyes of men and not great in the eyes of God. But let me suggest to you today that you can be great in the eyes of God and also great in the eyes of men. And that's the way it was with John the Baptist. Even Herod thought, man, this guy is so And our influence can be great in the earth. We can learn some things from John the Baptist. God has greatness for all of us. We've got to cooperate with God's prophetic purpose in our life. And whether we had great parents or not, we can get around great people who can influence us greatly. How many of you have some great people in your life who were a great influence in your life? We need more of those in our life. He embraced the great influences in his life. He embraced the great purpose. He embraced and received the great power and the authority of God's Word and the Spirit of God in his life. And he, he, he embraced the, the righteous and great uh, posture before God, a posture of hope and humility and honor to God. And he lived a life of greatness. And so with that in mind, today's life lesson says this true greatness isn't found in the accolades of men or in the accomplishment of much true greatness is found in knowing the will of god for your life and selflessly and sacrificially serving his prophetic purpose all the days of your life that's the measure of greatness it's not in what people say or don't say about you. It's not found in the accolades of men. And listen, uh, we today we 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 share the accolades about John the Baptist, but listen, his greatness is not found in what others said about him. His greatness was found in finding the will of God for his life and selflessly and sacrificially serving his prophetic purpose all the days of his life. That's the measure of greatness. And all of us have the opportunity to live out that life just as John the Baptist did. And heaven will look down. And let me just tell you, God doesn't raise mediocre kids. His plan for all of us is a plan of greatness. Amen? Whether you're 8 or 18 or 88, God has a plan for us to be great in the eyes of the Lord let's stand together thank you Jesus Father today may we embrace the greatness of John the Baptist in our own lives may we embrace the prophetic purpose of God will of God for all of our lives. Become a people, Lord, even as John the Baptist who selflessly and sacrificially serve the prophetic purpose of God for our lives. We stand before God with our heads bowed and our eyes closed today. If you have gotten off track You've forgotten that we must, that he must increase and you, we must decrease. Today, God wants through you to be glorified. Today, if we've gotten off track, if you've gotten off track about what you're here for, God said to the life of John the Baptist that greatness is found By faithfully serving, sacrificially serving the purposes of God for our life. Lord, today let us return to your prophetic purpose over our life. Not only as individuals, but as a church. Let us realize more so than ever that we're called to gather, we're called to grow, we're called to give, and we're called to go. Go into all the world and make disciples. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. God bless you today. In Jesus' name. Amen.